five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, here we are. It is uh, the Overreaction Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show, postseason edition, because we are uh, now out of the regular year as uh, Pirate football goes. The season is done. Heartbreaking uh, loss, frustrating loss to the uh, Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Uh, the offense kind of woke up, and then for the first time in uh, the whole season, uh, I, I, mean, I don't even call it a trick play, just a, a play that was kind of off script from what had been the norm was run. This is Mike Houston on the ECU Sports Radio Network after talking about his uh, disgust with how the season ended. I thought the kids played their tails off. Obviously, the turnovers are big. Um, you know, that's what got us, but uh, – you can't fault the effort of the players. Um, just really uh, upset um, in the way we ended the ball game. Um, just shouldn't have been like that. Philip, the ref Pilkington will uh, have more comments uh, from uh, Coach Houston and Coach Swartz later on in the uh, program today. We, of course, are headed out to the uh, tiebreakers locale in Bell's Fork, where we're going to have our inside Pirate Athletics radio show. John Gilbert will be among the people that will be with us uh, this evening on uh, kind of a a noteworthy Monday following uh, the Pirate uh, football season. All right, let's uh, go to uh, Jay Sunhalter. I hope you're not driving. I hope you're sitting still. The great Jay Sunhalter is uh, with us uh, via our video feed, looking cool. Uh, and uh, what a look for you, Sonny. Sonny, don't, don't, do not get in a wreck, Sonny. Do not get in a wreck. Uh, I'm pulling into a parking lot right now, so I'll be, I'll be okay. good in 30 seconds. All right. Well, I'll vamp until then. Uh, obviously, a frustrating and uh, bad way to end the season, Sundog. And uh, let me just start not, uh, not so much from an analyst standpoint. You talk to a lot of your brothers in arms, guys you played with, guys that played before you, guys that played after you at East Carolina. I, I can't imagine that there's not, as frustrated as the rank-and-file fans are, guys that gave blood, sweat, and tears to the program have to be uh, embarrassed and, and probably a little frustrated right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the way to finish off the season you know on saturday was as tough as it gets and i feel for the seniors i feel for all the players um that's very difficult but i I mean when you look at a season as a whole just all the alumni the fans the players you know obviously it's disappointing um and it, it shouldn't be that way and you know to coach houston's comments yeah it's been a tough year and i think at this point you know everybody is upset from from the the season the totality of it but now it's all about how do you fix it how do you move forward how does the evaluations go as far as what happened this year um and and what's what change is going to be put in place to make sure this doesn't happen again but um yeah i mean it's tough you know it's tough for us as fans um you know and everybody involved because we love our football team 
And there's nothing better than Dowdy Ficklin, you know, when you've got a big game and a huge crowd. And, you know, unfortunately this year it's just, you know, the, the wins were hard to come by. And that atmosphere and that pride was, wasn't there just because it was a tough season. I, I tell you what, though, I got to give kudos to the fans for showing up in the in the manner in which they did Saturday. Uh, there were a lot more there than I kind of feared there. There would not be as many there, but there were more there than I uh, had had sort of uh, thought might would would be there. So credit to, to those fans and credit to the fans. A lot of people I know personally that kind of stuck it out this season and stuck it out to the bitter end uh, this year. Uh, Jay Sonny Sunalder, ESPN College Football Analyst, uh, ESPN Plus, is uh, with us uh, here. Always great to catch up with Sonny. He's been good enough to give us his time all season long, so we're uh, kind of wrapping up the regular season of post-mortem on the Pirates and, and a few other headlines uh, as well on this uh, Monday after the regular college football season. Uh, got a... You know, I, I, you know, trick play. I think a trick play is you run a you know fake punt or or like a you know end around pass or something like that. Uh, I don't know if the wildcat. I guess it does qualify. You know, so going to the wild Rajay uh, play. You know, it, it just it would have gone for negative yards anyway. Um, had the defensive end for Tulsa been blocked, Rajay would have probably got on the fumble and there would have been lost yardage. I mean, point is. Uh, the fumble is the worst possible situation in that. The, the the fumble and turnover is the worst possible situation in that. Whereas, um, it probably just wasn't a good play call on its own, even if you had not reached that point. So, Sonny, when you look at uh, that play call, that juncture, that position in the field, it just doesn't seem like that was the the right time to run such a play. Yeah, well, 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 couple things. Um, well, I'll get to the to that play in a second. But yeah, back to your comment just about the fans. Our fans are the best, and uh, I agree with you. I mean, all all the all everybody that showed up this year and cheered on. You know, our fans. I, I just respect our whole fan base so much, and you know, supporting the players and supporting this team no matter what. So, you know, just uh, for the fans, you know, as a player. It, there's there's no better feeling knowing that you have support. So I, I think the fans are just amazing, and uh, you know, so just wanted to wanted to make sure everybody knew as as a player what the fan base means means to those guys out on the field. Um, as far as the the end of the game and the the play call there, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is you know there at the end you just want to put the players in a position where everybody's comfortable in in. In, in that situation, you know, there was a, there's obviously miscommunication it looked like or the ball was dropped, you know, whatever happened there, that's obviously not a, a normal uh, position with that Wildcat that these guys are in. And you just want to make sure you bleed the clock and everybody's comfortable in that situation. Also, if there is a mistake, you'd rather it be on a play that's, uh, you know, something that, that you are doing the majority of the time and, you know, that, that shouldn't have happened there. And, you know, Coach, Coach Houston at the end of the game took, took responsibility for that. But that's, you know, obviously, and he said it, the, the team should have won that game. Well, what's interesting is, you know, he also is saying, well, I wasn't aware that's what they were, were running. I mean, that's that, that seems odd. And the other thing I think is, you know, you can run that in practice over and over, but you haven't done that. It just seemed like an odd play call. I mean, you got to keep it pretty – close to the to the vest there in my humble opinion in that situation because worst case scenario you're punting pushing them down the field 
and then they've got to make a heck of a, a series of plays just to get in position, you know, for a field goal. Who knows what would have happened? But it just seems like you, 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 if you're going to get the ball to the running back, it needs to be a handoff. It needs to be really yeah. secure. But you know that that obviously uh, is a, is kind of a mar on uh, Coach Donnie K's uh, career as a pirate assistant. And uh, you know, I hate to see it. We've talked about Donnie already, and uh, you know, certainly wish things could have ended better uh, for his tenure at ECU because he's you know been a part of, of a lot of success in the program. Uh, several bowl games, et cetera. So, uh, Jason Alder joining us uh, here. Sonny, uh, you expect even if a player wants to come back, they're still going to go into the portal because uh, you can't you're, – you're, you're kind of cheating yourself if you're a player if you go out there and see if there's any money you can make. I mean, I hate to say that from the ECU perspective, but uh, if you're a guy that start on this defense, uh, you got to know that there's going to be – teams out there that might want your services and are willing to pay for it and, and perhaps pay top dollars. So, uh, you know, I think it's a real precarious time right now uh, for pirate football. You you have the, you know, search for new coaches. You have, uh, you know, obviously a quarterback situation that uh, has to be remedied somehow. You have uh, a situation where not only do you need to be a an active shopper in the nil space in the portal but you're going to need to retain some of your own guys especially on defense you want to try to retain um it's it's money right now and unless you want to kind of sit through you know subpar seasons in the future um you know it's it's going to take money and that's the unfortunate uh thing and look i get it that there aren't we're not growing millionaires off trees in Eastern North Carolina, but you know, you just, something's got it. There has to be an effort. Everybody has to be going in that direction because uh, otherwise the futility will, will be something that uh, fans will have to kind of go through. And uh, it's just, I'm saying all this to say, Sonny, uh, it's going to be hard to turn this thing around. Uh, not doubting anybody's coaching ability or playing ability, but just those other factors I mentioned with, uh, you know, free agency in college football now. Well, yeah, I mean, and the reality is, and more more for some teams and less for others, but the reality is this is free agency and it's a business. And every team in the country is going to be going through the same things the Pirates are. Now, again, the ECU may have more people leave, more people come in versus – you know, versus uh, Alabama, you know, who, who's to say who know, truly knows. But the, the thing moving forward in college football is it's going to be about chemistry and it's going to be about development because every team is going to have a lot of new players coming in through the portal, people leaving. How quickly can you tell get that team to gel and how quickly can you develop those players is going to be the key because – you know, I, I imagine for these players coming in um, to the program because there, you know, let's face it, there will be guys that leave, and there will be guys that we go and get out of the portal. That's just the reality of it. I do think NIL is important, but it, it's it's important everywhere. I mean, you know, the teams in our league. I don't I don't think the teams in our league are bringing you know bringing in millions of dollars versus you know everybody's playing in the same space. You know, but for example, when we play Tulsa next year. How do we develop our players? What's our plan? How's the chemistry going to be? Because Tulsa is going through the same things we are. You know, North Texas is, Charlotte is, 
everybody's in, you know, everybody's in the same space. Texas A&M isn't in our conference. You know, we've got to compete against the teams in our league. So I, I just think, yeah, there's going to be guys that leave and it, it, it's turned into a business. I mean, even if you're getting $15,000, $15,000 is a lot of money to some people. I mean, it's a lot of money to me. And, and uh, you know, for these guys, there's going to be business decisions that they have to make. Um, but I just do – I do think the biggest thing moving forward, Patrick, is we've got to make sure next year we have an offense and defensive line, we can control the trenches, and we have a quarterback that protects the football. If you do those, those things, no matter what happens everywhere else, you're going to have a chance to win if you can protect the ball and be strong up front. Jay Sonny Sunholder, uh, Sundog, can you hang through a, a quick timeout? I want to ask you about all the uh, the wrap-up and the games coming up this weekend. Are you good? Yes, sir. I'm good. All right. There he is, ladies, via the video feed, the great Jay Sunholder. All right. Uh, a timeout, and when we come back, uh, more of the uh, Patrick Johnson uh, show, the Overreaction Monday edition, as uh, we uh, break down the uh, college football season that uh, was. Uh, We'll talk some of these championship games coming up and uh, other games that were played around the Fruited Plain on uh, Rivalry Weekend. Stick and stay. It is the PJ Show on 94.3 The Game and streaming on the IBX Media app. It's free for download on Google Play and the App Store. Ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 94.3thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. Okay, uh, welcome back on a uh, overreaction to the regular season uh, Monday. We've got uh, championship games of college football this weekend. Jay Sunholder is uh, ESPN Plus college football analyst uh, with us uh, here. Sonny, uh... We'll have the college football playoff rankings unveiled tomorrow. Right now, uh, as far as a a uh, New Year's Six Bowl goes and a pretty good payday for the American, Tulane, and SMU. I think SMU might be the better team, at least the hotter team right now. Uh, Tulane did stick it pretty good, though, to UTSA uh, in the uh, second half on uh, Saturday. The game will be played uh, in Yulman Stadium in New Orleans. It'll be at four o'clock on ABC. Uh, so, Sonny, what uh, what do you think of this uh, matchup coming up between the uh, Mustangs and the Green Wave? Well, it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to see it. And I mean, you're right. SMU kind of is the hotter team and maybe the better team, but I, I wouldn't count against Tulane at home. Michael Pratt is a great quarterback. Willie Fritz, you know, one of the best, one of the best, I, I think, in the country. And this is a team that knows what it takes to win close ball games. They've had a lot of close games this year. I, I, I would, I would venture, I would lean towards Tulane in this game. But I, I think you're right. I think SMU may be the better team. I just think Tulane's going to find a way to win. And if uh, somehow SMU wins and Liberty wins on Friday night at home against New Mexico State, who's had a sensational season in the Conference USA Championship game, I got to think Liberty at potentially 13-0 gets into that New Year's Six slot, and thus CUSA gets uh, some really nice paychecks uh, coming to them. You know, there's been a lot of criticism of Liberty uh, this year, uh, but uh, it seems like that's a program that, despite the head coaching change, uh, continues to roll on. 
uh, they hired the right guy when Hugh Freeze left. You know, you, you get Ch- Jamie Chadwell, and I've I've done you know we've done some of his games and, and gotten to talk with him, and I, I think he's top notch. Um, and they've got that thing rolling. And I mean, the thing is, the Conference USA that that league is not strong, but if you've got the resources and you've got the coach you can steamroll through that league and you can have a special season. He's obviously the right guy up there and really good coach. And he's going to have coaching opportunities here probably this off season. If he wants to leave, I know he's making over $4 million at Liberty. So he's in a pretty good, pretty good spot, but um, he, you know, he's going to be a name that's going to get a lot of attention. We're uh, talking with Sonny Sunhalder, ESPN College Football uh, Analyst for ESPN+. Plus. Uh, also, Friday night, it is a rematch between Oregon and Washington. Uh, and I would think the winner of that winds up in the, uh, with the spot in the playoffs. So uh, how do you see that shaking out? I think Oregon's going to win that game. I think it is extremely difficult to beat a team twice, and Washington would have to beat Oregon twice um, in Friday that would mean they, they'd have to go back and, you know, and, and win again. And I just think Oregon is motivated after that first loss. It was at Washington. This is on a neutral field. I think Oregon's the hotter team. I think they're the more complete team on the defensive end. Washington has had some close games. Now they they found a way to win all those in a special year. I, I just think this is going to be Oregon's game. Yeah, let's talk about some of the other Saturday uh, championship games. Um Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh, how do you see it? Does Texas win the thing going out to the SEC next year? I think this is going to be a close game. I, I think Oklahoma State can score points, and I, I think this this one this one may we could see an upset in this one. Um, you know, Texas vying for that playoff spot. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them to win this game. I think they do win it, but I think it's going to be a close ball game because Oklahoma State can can score, and I think that's going to be a motivated team, you know, there in, in the Cowboys Stadium, trying to win. Um, so, so I think that one's going to be close, but I think Texas Texas will edge it out. In Atlanta, it's the SEC championship game, Georgia, which took care of Georgia Tech this weekend. Alabama that got the uh, the uh, late fourth and. Uh, forever touchdown uh fourth and goal from the 31 touchdown pass to beat auburn on the road uh great game and it's uh bama uh in georgia who do you like in uh the the uh, mercedes-benz dome in atlanta well the the easy answer there is georgia um i do think alabama i mean i i don't see alabama getting blown out i don't see them you know i i see them competing and fighting i think this is going to be a challenging game for Georgia, but similar to that Texas game, I think they're going to find a way, you know, Brock Bauer, you know, that the health is going to be important for Georgia with McConkney and uh, Brock Bowers. But um, I, I think there, I mean, it's, you know, kind of a quasi home game there with it being in Atlanta and, you know, obviously an opportunity to knock off Alabama is something that every team in the SEC loves to do. <laughs> and this, this Alabama team is vastly improved, but they're, they're not the, you know, the, the special Alabama teams we've seen in the past. I do think it's going to be a competitive game, but I think Georgia wins. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, Liberty, a 10 and a half point favorite against New Mexico state, uh, Oregon's a nine and a half point favorite. This is all for entertainment purposes. Only Texas, 14 and a half, uh, I think Oklahoma State will make it competitive. 
Uh, Georgia, five-point favorite over Bama. That'll get yes. tight. Tulane's a four-point favorite over SMU. Again, all for entertainment purposes only. Uh, Florida State is a field goal favorite over uh, number 10 Louisville. Uh, the Knolls undefeated Louisville with kind of a shocking loss to uh, to Kentucky to wrap up the season. That'll be at Bank of America Stadium in uh, the great state of Mecklenburg. So, uh, Florida State, look, they got the win at Florida, and this is not a vintage Florida team, but there's a lot of emotion in that game. And uh, Florida got off to a hot start. Florida State weathered it. How do you see uh, the ACC title game playing out? Yeah, I, I think Louisville can win that. I think, you know, and another thing I look at is what happened last week. Louisville loses, right? And anytime you lose a game, practice is miserable. Practice is hell. <laughs> um, you are highly motivated. <laughs> you are highly motivated. And, you know, Florida State, you know, obviously they want to win it and they're going to be highly motivated. But they They're kind of they living on the edge, games. though, aren't they, Sonny? They, they've got a quarterback situation that's not ideal. I just think, and also, too, Patrick, the other thing is once you get to the end of the year, it doesn't matter if you're undefeated. These games get bigger. There's more of a target on your back. And you, as a player, you know, you kind of feel a little bit more invincible every time you win. And the team that's that's kind of backs against the wall has an edge. I, I think Louisville is going to upset Florida State. Uh, and then uh, Michigan and Iowa, the fact that Iowa's in any kind of championship game is an indictment on the Big Ten. <laughs> um, we're not getting the best matchup in that conference. Seems like we never do, but we've got probably the best team in Michigan. And I think you have to be impressed with what Michigan's done this year, uh, especially given all of the controversy surrounding the program. So you tell me, uh, Sonny, uh, Michigan's a huge favorite, three-plus scores. Uh, I mean, this could be shutout territory for the uh, for the Hawkeyes against uh, the uh, Wolverines. I think this one is going to be a blowout for a couple of reasons. First of all, Iowa doesn't know what offense is. They're inept, and Michigan is amazing. So I, I think they're going to win big. I think another reason, though, is when you look at the seedings, and nobody knows what, how it's going to shake out, right? But if you're Michigan and you're Georgia, you want to have that one seed because you're potentially going to play Texas or Florida State in that in that four seed. Because I think you know the, the Georgia Michigan teams are going to be the number two seed. And then most likely it's going to be Oregon or Washington would be the three. So I would much rather face Florida State or Texas than I would Oregon or Washington. So that's just my opinion on that. But I, I think I think Michigan's going to try to run it up if they have an opportunity to get some style points. I think that thing's going to be over after the first quarter. I don't think Iowa can score. And I think Michigan, Michigan will be able to score on this on this Iowa team, even though their defense is awesome. I just think Michigan's rolling; it's on a whole nother level. And I think, you know, I think it's it's probably going to be them and Georgia in the national championship. Um, interesting. Uh, Jay Sunholder, Mike Elko leaving. A couple of things to leave you with here: Mike Elko leaving uh, for Texas A and M from Duke. Did a great job there. Uh, interesting time for the Blue Devils, who have uh, committed more resource. You hate to see Elko go. I know you you think he's a fantastic coach, but he's getting a ton of money to go to A and M and and into that uh, frying pan, but uh, or out of the frying pan into the fire more more than likely. Uh, give me an idea of uh, 
you know, with Duke right now, uh, they, it's proven they can get athletes. They they are an active shopper in the uh, in the uh, NIL market and the portals. So uh, it would be interesting to see. I mean, can, it's now up to that administration. How seriously are they going to continue to take football? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think they're going to continue to take it serious. And I mean, they they've proven they've been able to hit on the right coaches with you know Nina King now. Um, you know, hired Elko. She didn't hire Cutcliffe, but I thought Cutcliffe was a huge success. Elko, huge success. Uh, I think Shire's been perfect here in year two. He's the right guy. So they know how to hire good coaches. I think there's an opportunity again. You know, nobody really knew nationally. You know, people didn't know who Mike Elko was inside of it. They knew he was a hell of a defensive coordinator and a great coach. They hit on him, and I, I think they're going to have an opportunity. I think Duke is is a you know kind of a prime location there um, with the resources and and you know the opportunity. If you get the right coach there, I think they can continue to win at a high level. Sonny, let's leave with uh, NC State hammering North Carolina. And look, I saw NC State in person. The Duke game, they looked absolutely listless. They had a bye week. They came back. And they've reeled off five in a row. I'm no Dave Doran fan, but uh, you got to tape. You got to tip your cap to the the job he's done with that program here, and, and what they've accomplished in uh, in the last five weeks of the season. I mean, it's a heck of a run by the Wolfpack. So tip of the cap to there. And uh, you know, look, it's an NC State program that uh, rallied around one another at the right time. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and you said it perfectly. I mean, they dominated UNC, and you know, um, <laughs> it wasn't even close. And you have to, and I acknowledge the outstanding coaching job they did because I still think their offense is below average, and they they found a way to make adjustments and turn it on. And they've got nine wins, and then they blew out the rival. So, um, you know that that to me was pure coaching by them. Also, the other thing with NC State is they're built on their defense. They're always going to have a good defense. Anytime you have a defense, you'll go to a bowl game just because of a defense. And uh, they made those adjustments. And, yeah, I I think they had a great year, um, but it it was more to to do with coaching than it was with their talent. I think on the other side of it, UNC got exposed. I mean, that, that was bad. That was night and day difference between those two teams because, really, UNC has more talent than NC State by far. They've got multiple draft picks on that offense. They've yeah, got multiple draft absolutely. picks on that team. And it, it was it was, you know, complete shock at how they played. But yeah, NC State talked trash after the game. They have a right to they won that game. I mean, I you know, it wasn't like they won the national championship, but it was a pretty big deal and a and a great season for them. Well they're they're state champions in their minds, Sonny. So uh we still have to get our digs <laughs> in on the pack. All right, uh Sonny, I know you gotta go. Frank Wright uh fired and uh, we're going to talk to Philip Pilkington about that. Do you have anything to say before we cut you loose, or can you hang for a minute? Give me your give me your schedule. You're a very important man with a lot of things going on, so tell me what you got to do here. I, I did not know about Frank Reich. Wow. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Uh, I do think it's crazy. I think there's going to be – there's issues down there, obviously, with instability. I think he's a great coach. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> what yeah i mean i think he's a good coach i think i think uh you know that trade last year questionable now (laughs) 
<laughs> for Bryce Young giving away the farm. Yeah, I mean, it was awful. You have no and we all knew it was going to be awful, and it was awful, and we all knew it was going to be awful. I mean, I mean, the thing, real quick, the thing on that is it, do, it truly doesn't matter to me if Bryce Young played great this year or not, you don't you don't trade away the farm for a five nine quarterback. Right. You, yeah. you if he falls if if you're sitting at one and that's who you like, you do it. But you don't trade you don't you don't put all the eggs in a five nine guy. And um you know, anyways, that wasn't the right decision. I'm surprised they they did it to Reich. I heard the rumors, but uh a lot going on down in Charlotte. Sonny, I want to build off that. When has trading the farm away ever worked? The Vikings trade the farm Never. away for um, Herschel Never. Walker. Cowboys get three Super Bowls out of it. Redskins trade the farm away for RG3. That's how the Rams have built what they have now. I mean, trading the farm away never works. I guess the Rams that did it for Stafford, but they were a quarterback away, and they had already gotten the Redskins for uh, It's terrible. It, it, no, it never works. And, and, I mean, and what they should have done is they have, they have no roster right now, right? They should have just been terrible this year, tanked, Drafted a lineman well, last year and waited, but waited for these quarterbacks. I mean, right. they shouldn't have sitting at nine last year. They shouldn't have made that trade. They should have just sat there, drafted a lineman, prepped up for this year's quarterback class. They would have been terrible. They would have had all their picks, and then they could have picked either Caleb Williams or Drake May. But yeah, the owner Drake May would have been a home run there because <laughs> Drake May is going to probably be a home run in the pros. I got to imagine. So yeah, yeah. So uh, that was Sun a bad Hog, trade. Sundog, you're my brother. You know that. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, sooner than you probably want. But I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. All right. There he goes, Jay Sunalder. Long-suffering Carolina Panthers fan, Philip the Ref Pilkington, alongside yours truly, Patrick Johnson here. I mean, Pilk, <sighs> ownership there is just toxic in, in Charlotte. He is the, he is the next Dan Snyder. We're seeing it with the soccer team, and I know nothing about soccer, but they get into the playoffs, they fire a coach, they're going to be on their third coach in three years. Since he, he took over the team in 2018, uh, that season was off to a good start, six and two, till Cam took the shot from TJ Watt. But if you go back to fall of 2019, the team in all four major American sports with the worst winning percentage is the Carolina Panthers. There's no NBA, right. NFL, NHL. Uh, MLB team with a worst winning percentage. The guy's an idiot. I'm kind of with Jay here. I like Frank. However, the final straw for me was yesterday when they didn't run the ball in third and two at the end of the half, and he threw it. Uh, lap right. was forced to punt. Ended up allowing the um, the field goal there at the end. I called my dad at halftime yeah. and said he needs to go get his minister <laughs> job back that he had before he took the job at the Chargers. And, oh, uh, come on. But no, seriously, I, I do like Reich. I really do. I think he was put in an unfortunate situation. But I think that, like I said, Tepper's the next Dan Snyder. This team will suck until he f- is forced to sell it. So I really hope he – he's just a money-crazed jerk. He doesn't care if the team wins. He is. It is all a financial investment. He gets the same money from the league because they divvied right. up 32 ways, regardless whether right. his team wins or not. He's a hedge fund jerk. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes working for him. Just, oh, I. Well, he brought glass to the city of Charlotte and brings all those concerts. Just so you oh know. Oh my goodness, it's Patrick. Patrick Johnson and my parents will not see the Panthers win a Super Bowl in their lifetime. If I see it, I will be ninety years old. Because not until Tepper wow. is long gone will this team win a Super Bowl. You know, I think the the issue there is 
and I was thinking about this this morning is, you know, you're one in 10. How do you keep people around that kind of, but you don't do, I mean, firing Frank Reich is not going to yield you any more victories this season. It's just, it's not. No, it's the same reason we didn't fire Donnie K earlier. It wasn't going to yield ECU any more victories. You're, you're going to wind up being where you are because of, uh, because of, of regardless who's the head coach, regardless of who's calling plays, you're going to wind up how you are this year because you took a chance on a quarterback that could be good, but has no roster around him is getting slaughtered as a rookie behind no line. Uh, and I don't think the defense is hideous, but I mean, it just, the offense does it no favors. Yeah. Well, and the defense that level, is if you're not up. doing your defense, yeah, defense. So, I mean, if you're if you're not doing your defense at that level, any favors, you're they're going to be where they are as far as all the metrics and the stats where they rank and everything. But I mean, I you know, as you say, injuries, and I, and I don't think it's the problem with that team. The problem with that team is ownership. The problem with that team is the decisions that have been made, likely forced on people by the owner. And it's not like they have fired bums never to be heard from again. I mean, Frank Reich, pretty good reputation. So I, we'll see. I, I just I think the whole thing is puzzling at this point, to, uh, to say the least. If I'm a Panthers fan, I am disgusted today. Disgusted how the team played yesterday, how they lost, but also the fact that you know, they fired a guy they just brought on as the head coach. You have a, an owner an owner that just, on a whim, it seems, makes decisions and cans people. He wants a star quarterback so badly. As you and Sonny noted, he mortgaged the farm for it, and, and we see where everything is right now. All right. Anything else to add to that, Pilk? No. No, just you said if you're a Panthers fan, you'd be ticked off. I was ticked off the day this moron bought the team, and I'm going to be ticked off until <laughs> he sells, dies, or... Uh, the zombie apocalypse Jeez. happens and football's no longer. I mean, I start. I led with sales. Okay, that's what I want him to do. Okay. Sell the team. All right. But until All right. that one of those two or the zombie apocalypse happens and we don't even have to worry about football anymore, I'm going to be ticked off about Panther football. And this guy's a moron. And the fans need to get a petition together for him to sell the team. And I hope he tells an intern that she's got a nice set of buns so that he's forced to sell the team like the last owner did because that's the one-way ticket out. And that's the reason we got rid of Richardson. You know, the other thing I, I would say is, I mean, this guy, look at the deal he pulled out of South Carolina. That was, I mean, just guy's not a good, good person. No, he's and not. I'm not saying you, and I'm not saying you got to be everything sunshine and rainbows and you got to be Pollyanna with everything, but his, his nature has just led to, you know, the downing, uh, the the downward spiral of a franchise that I, I just don't know if it's got the the fabric to to recover until, as you say, he's no longer the owner. Yeah, I'm right. with you because, um, like, you're right. It's not it doesn't matter if he's a good person as long as he wins. Like Trump's a jerk, but he's a good president, so I liked him. Tepper is a bad owner and he's a jerk. So what's he got going? Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I keep ranting. I know you want to go to break, and I'm just I'm ticked off, Patrick. No, he just <laughs> he needs to stay out of it. He really does. All right, uh, more from Pilk coming up. 
Uh, you're tuned to the Patrick Johnson Show on uh, our video platforms here with you early on, but also on uh, 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com, and the IBX Media app. Uh, I'm headed to uh, tiebreakers. Pilk will uh, walk you through the rest of this on the other side. Philip Hilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirates report. The Panthers dropped their fourth straight yesterday in a 17-10 loss to the Tennessee Titans and a very short era in the Panthers franchise has come to an end as owner David Tepper announced today that they have parted ways with head coach Frank Reich. Tepper put out a statement today that said, quote, I met with Coach Reich this morning and informed him that he will not continue as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I want to thank Frank for his dedication and service and wish him well. Effective immediately, special teams coordinator Chris Tauber will serve as the interim head coach. Senior assistant Jim Codwell will be the special advisor to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, who will take over the play-calling duties. End quote. The Panthers will be back in action this Sunday when they travel down to Tampa to take on the Bucks at 405. You can hear the broadcast of that on our sister station, Talk 1037. Network coverage will start for that at 3 p.m. Moving on to Pirate Athletics for the first time ever, the ECU volleyball team is headed to the postseason. The Pirates receiving an at-large bid to the National Invitational Volleyball Championships. The Pirates are slated to host the first and second rounds of the NIVC, welcoming the Citadel, Georgia Southern, and Winthrop to Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. These games will be played this Friday and Saturday. Over the weekend, the Pirate football team fell to the Tulsa Golden Hurricane to wrap up a 2-10 and regular season. After the game, Coach Mike Houston spoke, and you could hear the frustration in his voice following the team season. I thought the kids played their tails off. Obviously, the turnovers are big. Um, you know, that's what got us, but... Uh, you can't fault the effort of the players. Um, just really uh, upset um, in the way we ended the ball game. Um, just shouldn't have been like that. Over the weekend, the Pirate basketball team fell to George Mason, 81-59. They will be back in action Thursday when they host UNCW. You can hear that right here on 94.3 The Game. Network coverage will start at 6.30 for that 7 o'clock tip. Duke football will be in search of a new head coach this week as Mike Elko has signed an agreement to be Texas A&M's next head coach where he served as defensive coordinator from 2018 through 2021 before taking the job as head of the Blue Devil program where he went 16-9 and in his two seasons. That'll do it for your Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report on the other side of this timeout. We will be back to wrap up the Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in here to the Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. The P-Man is on his way over to tiebreakers for Inside Pirate Athletics. I'm Philip Pilkington. I will be getting you home here this afternoon. And our rest of the show, we will hear from Coach Mike Houston following the Pirates game against Tulsa, as well as basketball coach Mike Schwartz following the Pirates game against George Mason. And we will do that on today's Pirate Report. 
And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Right after the Pirates lost, Coach Houston was asked about the play call there at the end of the game that led to the fumble on the direct snap to Rajay Harris. It's unbelievable. The game's won. So... Coach Houston there kind of at a loss for words despite how the game turned out. And then he was asked after that just his thoughts on the game as a whole. Jim Zoki kind of brought up the turnovers, kind of hurt the Pirates. But uh, Coach did not dismiss that, but uh, definitely talked about the effort of his team and said that you cannot fault the effort of the team. No, I thought the, I thought the kids played their tails off. Obviously, the turnovers are big. Um, you know, that's what got us, but, uh, you can't fault the effort of the players. Um, just really, uh, upset, um, in the way we ended the ball game. Um, just shouldn't have been like that. Coach Houston was then asked about running back Rajay Harris, who had a phenomenal day, 145 yards and a touchdown. It was by far his best game since returning from that terrible ACL injury that he suffered midway through last season. No, I thought he looked like himself tonight, and uh, you know, just a you know really, really good to see him be who he is. Um, just gives 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 me a lot of just confidence with him going into the off season, and you know, that's just we got we got to be better. Coach Houston just overall not pleased in that post game interview he did with Jim Zoki. Before we switch gears over to basketball, we do want to remind you that Inside Pirate Athletics will be right here on 94.3 The Game as part of the ECU Sports Network at the top of the hour. It'll be the final football one for the 2023 season. I also got word earlier today that uh, John Gilbert is supposed to be on for a couple of segments. Also, it has been announced there will be a press conference tomorrow with um, John Gilbert, I believe Mike Houston as well, Um, We will get the sound of that to you right here on our Pirate Report on the Patrick Johnson Show at 5 o'clock. And uh, I think there's a lot of questions going on among Pirate fans right now as to what the future looks like. Of course, Donnie Kirkpatrick has been relieved of his duties, so people are waiting to see if, with an OC being gone, whether or not they will get rid of some of the other guys on the offensive staff. I personally would not be surprised either way if we hear anything because when you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator, as ECU clearly is, we don't know who that is yet. The interviews are supposed to be happening at some point this week. You know, I think it could have something to do with that new person's thoughts as to who they would like to keep, who they would like to let go. Of course, Coach Houston obviously has final say, so we could be hearing about something possibly tomorrow. But uh, that would a little bit surprise me just solely because you'd kind of like to see who the new OC is going to want to replace, who he's going to want to keep. But also, I guess, when the team has been as bad as they were this year offensively, you could obviously see Coach Houston having to make some of those tough decisions um, a little bit earlier than maybe it sometimes would be made. But that'll do it for our football portion of the Pirate Report. Let's switch gears over to basketball. The Pirate basketball team dropped their third game out of their last five to George Mason on Saturday, and uh, they will be back at home against Wilmington this Thursday, hoping to kind of 
get their feet back under them. So we are going to hear some comments now from Coach Mike Schwartz following the Pirates' loss to the Patriots. The first thing Darren Vaught asked Coach Schwartz after the game was about his team's physicality. Darren said that he and Coach Perry thought that they were physically outmatched by the Patriots, and here was Coach Schwartz's response to that comment. Yeah, I think you guys are right. They're a team that's... that's uh... They really run through their four and their five. Um, and, you know, most of the times I'm going to feel real confident about our four and five with, with Brandon and, and Ezra. Obviously, I talked with Mike earlier that, you know, they hadn't practiced all week. They were they both basically made the decision right before the game that they were going to go. Um, but, you know, if you go, you go. And uh, I thought that obviously their front line got the better of us tonight. Keyshawn Hall and, uh, and Kelly got the better of us in there. And, the physicality, and it wasn't just the physicality of them scoring. It was also the physicality of their defense at the rim. You know, I thought that was really good. You know, we didn't we didn't finish, but I thought their length and their physicality at the rim was was very good. And we're not a team that uh, if we go to the free throw line, you know, and miss again, 13 to 21, we don't get to the free throw line as much as we want. And when we do go there, we don't make them. And so, um, yeah, did very very frustrating. Coach Perry then brought up how the game seemed kind of equal in the front court, but the back court it sounds like the Pirates got outplayed by the comments I'm hearing and the stats that I'm looking at. I uh, did not get to see any of this game due to the fact that I was on the uh, football side of things on production on Saturday. So didn't get to see much of it, but uh, Coach Schwartz gave his thoughts on how the Pirates seemed to be a little outmatched in the back court against the Patriots. No doubt about it. You know, we didn't we didn't get our normal productivity that that we normally get from, obviously from RJ. And you know, but that's going to happen. And RJ knows that that there's going to be nights that the ball just doesn't go in the basket quite yeah. as well. Um, but he did. Maddox did. Maddox started the game off shooting the ball well. Um, you know what? I give him credit because we forced him inside inside the three point line because we knew he was a shooter, a very good shooter, and he hit two pull up shots yeah, that were good shots. You know, re- really good shots and. Um, you know, we'll be able to evaluate on the tape some of the areas that uh, where we broke down, but we didn't get the productivity off our bench uh, that we need. That's tough. I mean, we, we need, um, you know, we need, we need to be able, when we go to our bench, particularly when we know we're not going to be able to count on Brandon for 35 minutes or Ezra for 30 minutes like you normally can because of they've been injured a little bit. And so you need to get something off your bench, and we just couldn't get any true production uh, coming off the bench. You heard a couple references there to Darius Maddox of George Mason, who led all scorers in the game with 19 points. And that'll do it for our Pirate Report today, kind of looking at um, some other things going on in the world of sports. We already talked about it with Patrick, about uh, Frank Reich being relieved of his duties as head of the Carolina Panthers. Moving on, though, still on the college basketball side now. Here's the new AP Top 25 poll has come out now that it is Monday. Some notable changes is after Kansas's tough loss to Marquette in Maui, the former number one team in the country, Jayhawks, have fallen to number five. The Purdue Boilermakers have overtaken that number one spot, followed by Arizona, Marquette, and UConn. Looking at just kind of other teams of interest Duke is number seven. The only AAC team ranked is Florida Atlantic, who is number 13. And then uh, the only other team in the state of North Carolina ranked right now is North Carolina, who comes in ranked 17th 
in the country. So that'll wrap it up for our show here today for the Patrick Johnson Show. Thank you for tuning in. I want to thank the P-Man and uh, Jay Sunhalter for joining us here on our Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. We had Inside Pirate Athletics right here at the top of the hour. We'll be back more on Tuesday for the Tuesday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. We'll get you those comments from tomorrow's press conference. Have a great rest of your evening, Pirate Nation.